It's the show the establishment warned you about. That's right. Welcome to the Dr. Tommy Show. It's Friday. We're glad you're here. DrTommy.com slash podcast for all the different listening options. Streaming live on Rumble right now from the heart of Florida, the free state, and Echelon Health Studios. And we're glad you're here. I'm Dr. McElroy. Um, this is the uh, debt ceiling, post-debt ceiling vote show because last night they passed the debt ceiling and uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. And we're also going to talk about some human, uh, sorry, some monkey virus DNA that was found in the COVID vaccines that actually promotes tumor formation. And we're also going to talk about Joe Biden and the usual media cover-up of his foibles. And uh, we're also going to cover some of the things I didn't... I wanted to talk about Smokey Robinson last week. So anyway, starting off, they passed this debt ceiling last night. I think it was 63. I got it up here somewhere. 63 to something or another in the Senate. And now we are going... 63-36 in the Senate. And now we're going to have a uh, debt ceiling now for two years. It's going to be $6 million, I think, or $6 trillion, I think it is. And they had this guy, Mitch McConnell, who is the purported leader of the Republicans in the Senate, going on about how this was this was a strike against the Democrats. And this was going to, uh, you know, start the rollback of the Democrat addiction to spending and blah, 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 and all this other bull crap. And uh, it apparently they had more Democrats. Here it goes. <clears throat> this is from CNBC. It says the bill moved through the House in about 72 hours and passed Wednesday night with a resounding majority, 314 and 117. In the end, however, more House Democrats voted for the bill than did Republicans, despite the bill, the fact the bill was the brainchild of the House GOP leadership, in which that's the problem right there. The brainchild of the House GOP leadership is like saying, uh, you know, it's the brainchild of the White House, the White House or the brainchild of Joe Biden. It's not necessarily uh, a good thing when the GOP leadership is uh, putting things out there. Because as we know from past experience, many decades now that GOP leadership is nothing but a basically a weak version of uh, Democrats, weak tea. But they, they passed this debt ceiling bill and the, the, they said that, um, you know, now we don't, we're not going to risk default. We're not going to risk default. You know, this, this idea that we're going to default on our bills because we're not going to be able to pass the whole budget is such a crock of, bullshit. It's because if you look at your own household, if you have no money, if you don't have enough money to pay your bills, do you just say, look, we're just going to keep on going the way we're going to go. We're going to have Disney plus we're going to continue with Netflix. We're going to continue eating out three nights a week. We're going to continue, uh, you know, uh, we're going to, we're going to continue spending all this money we don't have. And we're just going to default on our, on our, all of our bills because we're not going to be able to cut back at all. Where we can't cut back on anything. There's no there's no such thing as um, there's no such thing as uh, arranging uh, your expenses in an order of importance. So the the Congress pretends like the only way that we can pay our bills is if we pay all the bills. We can't prioritize bills. We cannot pay, for instance, our debt, our default, our our loans that so we don't stay out of default. We can't just pay those. We can't prioritize that. We can't prioritize. Uh, some of the necessary functions of the government that are set forward in the Constitution, but mind you. No, we have to pay for everything. We have to pay for, uh, you know, like uh, Harry Reid used to have, it was a cowboy poetry in Nevada that he got money for. And we have to pay for uh, all of the different uh, uh, crucifixes and urine that they have in the, uh, in the, in the government-sponsored museums. That was a thing from the past. That was art. We have to pay for all these different extraneous things. We get we can't just concentrate. We have to pay for cell phones for the illegals that are coming across the border. So we can't just prioritize, for instance, paying down the loans that are required to be paid. Because that's what you would do in your normal household. If you had bills that were due, you would pay for those. So if you if your if your spouse came to you and said, "Look, we're running short on money this month. Um, what what are we going to pay for this next month?" You'd say, "Well, well, well, what do?" What do we have to pay for? You say, well, we have our we have a mortgage we have to pay for. Uh, we may have uh, you know food. We need to pay for food. And you say, well, what about the Netflix? Well, well, let's not worry about the Netflix. And they may, and then your spouse will say, well, we have to pay everything. You'd look at your spouse and say, well, why would you have to pay for everything? Why can't we prioritize things? And that's what a normal person would do. But that's not what they do in the government. So now they're going in and they're cheerleading this thing. 
this debt ceiling passage. Like it's some type of, uh, oh, it's a bipartisan. That's the worst news in the world. If you ever hear something coming out of Congress as bipartisan, immediately be suspicious. So it's bipartisan now, and it's going to, like like uh, McConnell said, it's going to, uh, what did he say, curb the addiction, the Democrats' addiction to spending. He's full of crap. He's more addicted to spending than any Democrat, or he's as addicted to spending as any Democrat. You know, there's been never been more spending. If you look in the history of uh, Congress, when when Barack Obama was president, and there was a Republican House and Republican Senate, that's when there was more spending than ever. Until recently, when we've had this COVID spending, which was a uh, just just another uh, insult to injury. But anyway. Prior to that, prior to COVID, when Obama was in office, a Democrat, he had a opposition Congress, purportedly opposition Congress. And at that time, it was John Boehner and, of course, Mitch McConnell, because he's been there longer than anybody, you know, as a as a majority leader. So Mitch McConnell was there and John Boehner was there. And then later on, it was, uh, I think, no, it was, it was John Boehner the whole time Obama was there, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, that that. Obama was the one that actually said, look, we've never had a better Democrat legislative uh, Congress than we than we do now with the Republicans that are in Congress now because they were so weak. They were so afraid of uh, opposing Obama because they don't want to be called racist. So Obama was able to punk them. But anyway, we passed this debt ceiling. Now it's six trillion dollars, I think they said. For two years and then. uh uh, we're supposed to think this is like, this is going to somehow change it. And, and then uh, McCarthy says, well, this is a huge victory. Never before has the government spent less in a year than it has the previous year. So every year the government spends more money. It's something called baseline budgeting. Um, it's an automatic increase that's built into the budget. Rush used to talk about this. He said this was one of the things that opened his eyes to how things are done in Washington, this idea of baseline budgeting, that every year the baseline gets increased. Well, anyway, this is the first year, apparently, that they've gone back. So now we're going to go back to, what is it, 2022 levels. And this is supposed to be some type of uh, huge, huge victory. When the fact is, is 22, ever since COVID, from 2021 to 2022, and in 2020, we've spent so much more money than has ever been spent on these COVID emergencies and all this, uh, you know, all these other programs and things like that, that the amount of money now that we're going back to is, is still an astronomical amount. So it's not some huge victory that Kevin McCarthy is trying to make it out as, but anyway, that's what they're saying now. And, and you're supposed to feel good about it at home because now we've averted crisis, but in two years, guess what? There's going to be another crisis. And there's going to be people, people out there who are going to fall for this that say, well, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta, we got to pass this debt ceiling, otherwise we're going to default. And then when we default, the markets are going to crash and we're going to lose our 401k and I'm going to be able to retire. It's bullcrap. All they'd have to do is pass a bill, a law that says, look, we're going to prioritize spending like anybody in their right mind would do. I think we should pass a debt ceiling, a permanent debt ceiling and say, look, we're, we're going to, we're, if, if, if the Republicans were serious, they'd say, look, this is the debt ceiling. And they may do this. They may say, look, this is the debt ceiling. We're not going to pass this. The debt ceiling, we're, we're going to say, it's going to be like the Motley Crue thing where they said, look, we're not, going to, uh, we're, we're not going to tour anymore. We're going to have this contract that says we're not touring anymore. And we're going to sign this contract. And then a few years later, they tear up the contract and they start touring again. Even though Vince Neal's clearly passed his prime. Anyway, <clears throat> what the Republicans should say is, look, we're going to pass a debt ceiling. And damn it, we're going to stand by this debt ceiling. The debt ceiling is $900 trillion and not one cent more. And then they should sign it. And they should they could be proud of themselves now. $900 trillion, not one penny more. <clears throat> Tracy sent me this thing. This is alarming. This is from the Florida Standard, which is Will Witt's um, publication here in Florida. And it's called, uh, it's about this, MIT scientist who found monkey virus DNA in COVID vaccines. So there's this virus, uh, simian virus 40, it's called SV40, which has been linked to mesothelioma, lymphoma, brain and bone cancers in humans. And it has been found in uh, the COVID vaccines. 
This is from this. This is from the article. It says uh, this is from Jonas Vesterberg in the Florida Standard. A microbiologist who previously served as a team leader for the Human Genome Project at Massachusetts Institute of Technology has studied the contents of MRA vaccines and found severe contamination in the vials. Kevin McKernan states that the vaccines contained high concentrations of DNA from simian virus 40, SV40, a monkey virus that has been linked to mesothelioma, lymphoma, brain, and bone cancers in humans. So here's what SV40 is. This is from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Uh, <clears throat> CHOP. It says polio vaccines in the late 1950s and early 1960s were contaminated with a virus called simian virus 40, SV40, present in monkey kidney cells used to grow the vaccine. So they grew this vaccine in these monkey kidney cells in vitro. And the virus was in these cells of these uh, uh, monkey, monkey kidneys, and it got transferred into the vaccines. It says, subsequently, investigators found SV40 DNA in biopsy specimens obtained from patients with cancers, such as mesothelioma, mesothelioma, osteosarcoma, and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. However, several facts should be noted. It says SV40 was present in cancers of people who had either, either, who had, either had or had not received the polio vaccines that were contaminated. So they said people who had these cancers still had SV40 in them. Uh, even if they had not received the vaccine, this is, this is chop. Okay. They're saying, look, SV 40 was present in cancers, even with people who had not had vaccines. And it says SV 40 has not been present in any vaccine since 1963. Well, this article we're going to go back to contradicts that it says people with cancers who were born after 1963, when SV 40 was no longer contaminant of the polio vaccine were found to have evidence of SV 40 in their cancerous cells. So they're saying this SV 40 is on all kinds of cancer cells. It says uh, epidemiologic studies do not show an increased risk of cancers in those who receive polio vaccine between 55 and 63, blah, blah, blah. It says taken together, these findings do not support the hypothesis that SV40 virus contained in polio vaccines administered before 1963 caused cancers. Well, that's great if you didn't, if you had that. Well, so let's go back to the article from the Florida Standard. <clears throat> it says, uh, in 1961, Dr. Bernice Eddy, a scientist with the National Institute of Health's Division of Biologics, discovered SV40 when she took material used to manufacture polio vaccines and injected it into hamsters. The animals started growing tumors. This monkey virus contaminated both the inactivated, con contaminated both the inactivated polio vaccine, IPV, that's injectable, and the oral or quote-unquote live polio vaccine. It says, despite this toxicity, vaccines were given to children up through the 1990s. Now, I don't know if this is <clears throat> saying that the vaccines that were given to the kids up through the 1990s contained this SV40 or not. That doesn't matter. Let's not talk about polio. Now let's talk about COVID vaccines. Listen to this. Uh, the highest concentration of DNA contamination that McNernan found amounted to 30% of the injection solution. That's about 1,000 times higher than the European Medicine Agency safety limit. And this is, it's a quote. It says, it's both in Moderna and Pfizer. We looked at the bivalent vaccines for both Moderna and Pfizer and only the monovalent vaccines for Pfizer because we didn't have access to monovalent vaccines for Moderna. In all three cases, the vaccines contained double-stranded DNA contamination of this SV40. It says, at least on the Pfizer side of things, it has what's known as an SV40 promoter. This is an oncogenic virus piece. It's not the entire virus. However, the small piece is known to drive very aggressive gene expression. And the concern that people even at the FDA have noted in the past whenever injecting double-stranded DNA is that these things can be integrated into the genome. So this is, uh, their concern is now that this SV40 double-stranded DNA that's present in these vaccines, all three vaccines that they studied here, the bivalent Moderna, the bivalent Pfizer, and the monovalent Pfizer, they all had this SV40. And they're... Their concern is that the foreign DNA, it says, has the potential to enter cells and change the genome in a vaccine recipient, which could transfer to chromosomes and carry over to children. If you inject a foreign gene, you're going to incite self-destruction in your body, uh, Baki says. This is a, this is professor who was talking to uh, Dr. or sorry Kevin McNernan uh, about the findings of the bacterial DNA. This was in um, this was on Twitter. Uh, scientific teams in other countries, including France and Japan, have confirmed McNernan's findings. 
Now, so here's this other thing that we studied before. So you're saying, well, how in the world is DNA in a virus going to potentially get into a cell? How, how can that be? And we studied, we talked about this before. It says, it's back to the article from Florida Standard. A peer-reviewed Swedish study published last year revealed that the Pfizer mRNA shot can be integrated into the genome of human cells. Our studies show that uh, the BioNTech 162B2 can be reverse transcribed into DNA and liver cell line uh, HUH7. And this may give rise to concern if the, if the vaccine-derived DNA can be integrated into host genome and affect the integrity of the genomic DNA, pretend, potentially mediate genotoxic side effects. So there's something called reverse transcriptase, which is a, an enzyme that changes uh, RNA back into DNA. Because usually you go, from, uh, you go from RNA to a protein. Well, in certain cases, there's this genome that, or sorry, this enzyme that can uh, change DNA back, or, sorry, RNA back into DNA. And then their concern is the DNA can be put into your, into your cells which is with you forever because it's, it's basically uh, it's, it's basically done gene editing on you. And this human, I'm sorry, this liver cell line was done in a, in a Petri dish. So this was done in vitro, this HUH seven. This was reported last year. So if, if you can do this in a, in a Petri dish, what is the odds that you can do it with a simian virus 40 that's in these nanoparticles, that's in these vaccines, what if this can be put into your genome? This is all conjecture, but this is something that's possible. And this is something that we'll never, ever, 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 ever hear in the establishment media because it is conspiracy theory. Quote, unquote. But as we know, conspiracy theories are basically, uh, conspiracy theories today are uh, the truth in six months or, or even sooner sometimes. So SV40 simian virus found in COVID vaccines, previously found in polio vaccines. Oh, uh, what else do we have here? This is something I wanted to cover. This is so last night or yesterday, I guess it was our president, Joe Biden took a, a spill and he fell and, busted his ass as is per his usual and um, me didn't say anything. I said, Oh, he fell over a sandbag. But if you remember back when uh, uh, president uh, Trump was president and he tried to walk down a slide or sorry, a ramp that was wet and leather shoes, he held the handrail and boy, did the media go crazy for about that. And Dan, Dan Bongino actually covered this earlier. I want to play a little bit what Dan Bongino had to say about this. Here is Chris Saliza on CNN in one of the most hilarious 45-second clips you're ever going to see when Trump was walking down the stairs. Nobody wants to talk about Biden now. This is like the fifth or sixth time he's fallen on his face that you know about, by the way. Everybody picking up what I'm putting down? That you know about. And nobody wants to talk about his mental health. Trump walks down a ramp and you get this. Check this out. Donald Trump is 74 years old. Obviously, his birthday was on Sunday. He's the oldest person ever elected to a first term as president. Two, we know so little about Donald Trump's past medical history. Remember, this is someone who the entirety of his medical history was a 2015 letter by his personal doctor saying that he would be the most physically fit person ever to be president, a letter I'll note that the doctor has since said was dictated to him by Donald Trump. So we just have very little to go on. And when you have those two things and you add it to the fact that Donald Trump, whether it's Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton, makes the mental and physical health of his Democratic opponents an issue. He did it today. He said that uh, Joe Biden was shot and weak. That's when I think uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Oh, boy. Chris Saliza is a soy boy. If you ever heard of soy boy and you want to know what a soy boy is, that is Chris Saliza. So this is the coverage that they had before when uh, Trump was trying to walk down a wet ramp. And then Joe Biden just yesterday tripped over. They said he tripped over a sandbag. Let's give him that. Let's say he did trip over the sandbag. Are these sandbags not ever used before? Or is this the first time they've ever used a sandbag? They were, it was holding down his teleprompter, apparently. 
Well, that's what he said they tripped over. But he really ate it pretty bad. And But there's nothing. There's nothing in the media about it. There's there's no concerns about it. And then we have this other thing. This is a report from Bongino report, back to Bongino. It says that, um, here's a, it says that Biden reportedly smashed his head on Marine One hours after fall commencement ceremony. It says, uh, this is from Bonchi over at Red State. <clears throat> it says, Joe Biden set the political world on fire Thursday when he took a spill, a massive fall while attempting to exit the stage at the U.S. Uh, Air Force commencement speech. Following the speech that ranged from incoherent to oddly angry, <clears throat> the, president, the president can be seen in multiple videos tripping and going to the ground as, a reg- as Secret Service agents rushed to his side. Then listen to this. Biden bumped his head on Marine One while exiting tonight, according to the pool report. Marine One landed at 7.04 p.m. and the president exited a few minutes later. He bumped his head on the doorframe while exiting the helicopter, but otherwise appeared spry, wearing a blue suit with a matching tie and trademark aviators. Smiling, waving, and gingerly approaching the pool, he joked, I got sandbagged in reference to the fall earlier today. Then he skipped once, holding his smile and kept walking. No response to shouted questions about whether he was okay after the fall and what he and former President Obama discussed over the phone. So <clears throat> this guy just banged his head again. You know, he's had a history of intracranial problems. He's had a couple of aneurysms repaired that we know of. It is not good. Um, he's got this very, I call it neurologic gait, I guess you'd say. It looks like almost like a stiffened something neurologic's wrong they do say he has a neurologic problem they said he has a neuropathy in his feet from what i think they said spinal stenosis anyway this guy's this guy's in bad shape but there's nothing about this i think i think i did look it up on cnn yesterday and they said that he he fell over the sandbag that's all they were talking about he's fell over the sandbag but there's no concern at all about his health he there's been some people saying that he's not going to be able to make it until uh and to the election next year. I don't know that that's the case. I think if he's alive and he's breathing, he's going to make it. That's that's the criteria that he's I think he has to be walking too. I don't think the American public would be prepared to elect him if he was not able to walk. But if he's able to walk at least a short distance for a camera photo op and if he's able to speak like he does now from a teleprompter then he'll he'll still run. There's not going to be any kind of uh discernment from the uh, media is the same way that they did with uh, Bush. I'm sorry, uh, Trump, obviously. Uh, <clears throat> Victor Davis Hanson has this piece on American greatness, and he's he's wondering whether or not American conservatives are awakening uh, because of what's going on with this, all of the different woke things that are happening. And he's thinking maybe the conservative... Um, the conservative dragon is awakening. I'm just going to read a little bit from it. It says, this is from American Greatness. Is the sleeping conservative dragon finally waking up from Victor Davis Hanson? He says, conservatives and traditionalists are often exasperated at the ongoing woke cultural revolution in their midst. How can America be turned upside down as it is when there's little public support for the things happening around us? They don't see much backing for the current wide open borders and unchecked illegal immigration, yet it continues. Conservatives feel that most Americans reject the trend of uh, biological men dominating female sporting events. They feel American jurisprudence has become now vastly weaponized and warped. Certainly, Donald Trump will be more likely indicted by a politicized New York City prosecutor for supposedly overvaluing his net worth over a decade ago than would be a current violent street criminal clubbing a subway commuter. In 2020, torching a federal courthouse or massing at the White House grounds in efforts to get the president earned little, earned either few arrests or little or no jail time. In 2021, if someone entered the Capitol and illegally paraded around like a buffoon, he could get a five-year prison sentence or 18 years if you didn't even go on the Capitol, if you're that uh, Oath Keepers guy. Traditionalists feel that sky-high energy prices, out-of-control urban crime, a depressed economy, high interest rates, and politicized FBI, CIA, Justice Department, and Pentagon are all needlessly self-created messes. How then did these extremist policies that have little popular support become institutionalized? Conservatives, by their nature and unlike the left, are more inclined to accept existing institutions rather than radically alter or destroy them. They were asleep at the wheel in 2020 when left-wing funded lawsuits radically transformed Election Day in many states into a mere construct. 
Some 70% of the electorate in key precincts voted by mail or early with far fewer ballot audits or authentication. Now, I think that's still going to happen this time. So they're talking about in 2020 they were asleep, but it's going to happen again, I think. They focus on nominating more conservative, Georgia, more conservative judges, not pecking the court itself. They're talking about, he's talking about conservatives now compared to um, liberals. They work to take back the Senate, not end the filibuster, or bring in two new states before senators. Traditionalists often feel they have no time for politics. They prefer to focus on their families, jobs, communities, and churches. Until recently, they shunned organized boycotts. They abhor massing outside the homes of left-wing politicians and judges. They shrug and concede that universities, teachers, government unions, and the corporate boardrooms, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, the media, entertainment, and professional sports are hopelessly activist and left-wing. The environmental social governance, ESG, diversity, equity, and inclusion, LGBTQ plus agendas were unfathomable acronyms to middle America and thus mostly ignored. So, 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 so conservatives often slept through the woke revolution. Yet suddenly they realized their apathy allowed the country to descend into something the nation's founders never imagined or intended and antithetical to what most knew as America just a couple of decades ago. So conservatives are awakening from their slumber, and they are discovering that they too can boycott, agitate, and roar. The woke target corporation in just a few days has suffered more than $10 billion in loss in stock value. Millions of shoppers shunned its $2,000 or 2000 stores after the chain showcased its, quote, pride apparel. Now, it's more than it was pride apparel. Pride is the gay pride thing, right? That's how it started off. They were having uh, swimsuits so little boys and girls uh, or little boys could tuck away their genitals to pretend like they were girls. That's the whole thing about this whole pride thing and this LGBTQ plus whatever is every time, and, and Dave Rubin talks about this, is they add, they, they, they always drag in the first two with with all this other oddities that don't really necessarily, uh, don't necessarily have anything in common with them. So if you are a lesbian or gay, homosexual, does that necessarily put you in the same camp as someone who, is a gender dysphoric or someone who is gender fluid or someone who is a, a two spirit or whatever the hell that means. They always kind of drag this whole thing in it. And it's kind of the way that they do a lot of things is you get your nose in under the tent and then you just pull everything along with you. Anyway, back to the, back to the article. Uh, the displays featured tuck pieces, veritable cod pieces that were intended to facilitate quote, women's male genitalia. Anheuser-Busch came up with the bright idea that it would highlight Dylan Mulvaney, a transgender performance activist, to hawk its Bud Light brand. But beer seemed incidental to the self-absorbed Mulvaney's fixation on promoting transgenderism. So Bud Light drinking Red State America got turned off by Mulvaney's in-your-face advocacy. As ensuing informal bo- as a ensuing informal boycott cost the company nearly $16 billion in lost stock value, hundreds of millions of dollars of unsellable light beer stagnated. Stores can't even give it away. Meanwhile, Bud Light's competitors coped with the meeting record uh, Memorial Day consumer demand. Ditto the defiantly woke corporation Disney. The now politically activist entertainment corporation insisted on pushing woke agendas down the throat of its family-centered audience. The result? Its online entertainment services are bleeding millions of subscribers. Disney stock has lost $16 billion in value. Its overpriced theme parks no longer count on continual increased attendance. Sometimes traditionalists simply prefer to drop out rather than boycott wokeism. One result, one, one result is the Emmy, Grammar, Oscar, and Tony Awards now have a fraction of their previously televised audience. Add to that the NBA. Oh, here we go. In 1998, when the United States had a population of 275 million, the NBA Finals earned an average of 29 million viewers. That's the last time, incidentally, that I watched the NBA Finals. I was in college then, and it was uh, Utah Jazz against the Bulls. And I believe that if I'm if memory serves me right, it was two years in a row that the Jazz and the Bulls played. Carl Malone, uh, John Stockton, and uh, can't remember the three point specialist name from the Jazz, uh, but he had a little crooked nose. Um, and then obviously the 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 Jordan led Bulls with um, Scottie Pippen, and and I think at that time they still had um, who was the third guy? Oh, Dennis Rodman. 
Anyway, that year the NBA bragged its finals. Av- this year the NBA bragged its finals averaged a pathetic four million viewers, in a contemporary America of three hundred thirty-five million. Now look at that. So two hundred seventy-five million in nineteen ninety-eight. They got twenty-nine million viewers. NBA Today, three hundred thirty-five million got four million viewers. That is amazing. That is what twenty-five years. That's unbelievable. The Los Angeles Dodgers baseball team reinvented the sisters of reinvited the sisters of perpetual indulgence, a self-identified performance art queer group, to headline the team's quote Pride Night. The all-male sisters usually put on anti-Catholic pornographic skits that mock Jesus Christ and sexualize Christian rituals. That Dodgers that Dodger indulgence is not going over well with its fan base, especially the city's millions of Catholic Latinos. The woke left still enjoys enormous advantages over the right. The bicoastal elite has far more money, controls all of the major American institutions, and do- dominates the dissemination of knowledge through the media in Silicon Valley. But the left does not enjoy majority public support. That's the important part. And now it has managed to do the impossible, to goad the normally comatose conservative dragon to awaken, and it is just starting to breathe fire. So <clears throat> Victor Davis Hansen's hopeful there that there is this sleeping giant that has been awoken with the conservatives. And I think a lot of this has to do with the, uh, the speed at which there, this has gone. Like I said, you go from, uh, within a few years, the legalization of gay marriage, quote unquote, to this idea now that in the same spectrum, the LGBTQ plus spectrum. Now we're having a drag queen story hour for kids in schools. That's a quick, that's, that's a rapid change. And that's something that has bound to waken up people, even if they aren't predisposed to activism as, as uh, Victor Davis Hanson says earlier on here. And I think that's what it is, is there's a shock change that even those people who are normally not, you know, really interested in trying to change things, quote unquote, like this, are they're saying, you know what, enough's enough. There's also too the the idea that you don't have to go to Disney. Like I, like, you know, Disney is a uh, is one of many options that you have. You don't see Universal Studios or uh, uh, any of these other theme parks weighing in to this. Um, you know, Six Flags. What, what's Six Flags policy on transgenderism? I don't know. You know, I don't know what Six Flags. Uh, I don't know what uh, Six Flags wants to do about um, uh, abortion either. And maybe that's the way it should be. But that's the idea that that you have options. And so Disney thinks that you know we're the we're the only option in town, but they're not. Same with Bud Light and Miller Light. You know, you don't have to have, you don't have to drink Bud Light. I wouldn't drink Bud Light now, anyway. Cause it tastes like water, but I would be even less inclined to drink it now because of, uh, uh, just the stigma that's associated with it. You know, I wouldn't drink Bud Light if you gave me a case of Bud Light because it tastes like water. Most of the, mostly cause it tastes like water. It's a, <clears throat> but it is, it's a popular drink. Apparently is the most popular brand in the world prior to, uh, Dylan Mulvaney. This uh, Disney thing is one thing I did want to discuss too. They, Ron DeSantis has been taking a lot of heat from quote unquote conservatives, not even quote unquote conservatives, from conservatives. Let's just say that's what there is. From conservatives for going after Disney. They're saying, you know what? He needs to drop this thing with Disney. This Disney thing's hurting him in the polls. This Disney thing is, he took it a step too far. He shouldn't be going after these culture wars. I think. Whatever happens with the election, I don't care if, uh, if if Ron DeSantis doesn't get the nomination. Honestly, I would prefer that he not get the nomination. And I talked about it before. The reason why is because no matter who wins the nomination, this go round is going to lose to Joe Biden. Not because Joe Biden's some stellar candidate, but because the Republicans have done nothing to fix the vote gathering, ballot gathering schemes of the Democrats in the swing states. In the swing states with the swing counties and the swing districts, Democrats know how to get the votes. And if there's going to be a close election, which there always will be in a 50-50 America just about, there's not going to be a Ronald Reagan landslide. 
at least in the foreseeable future. So it's going to be come down to two points or so. And if it does come down to two points, then all you have to do is be able to swing those swing districts and those swing states. And the Democrats know how to do that. Republicans don't have any idea how to do that. Republicans are behind the ball in getting out the vote. Republicans are not willing to do the things that Democrats are willing to do, uh, you know, with the mules and things of that nature, I don't think, to get the votes necessary. So the Democrats, I don't, I think they got this thing wrapped up. As, as sad as it is to say, I think no matter what, Joe Biden's breathing, then he's going to win um, in 2024. So for that reason, I don't think Ron DeSantis, I, I wish he wouldn't, I wish he wouldn't run. And, but anyway, if he doesn't win the nomination though, if he doesn't win the nomination because he takes on Disney in a culture war, it doesn't bother me. But some of these pundits are saying, well, that's the reason that Ron DeSantis isn't doing well in the polls because he's not focusing. And this is coming from Trump's people now. Larry Kudlow was a person I heard talking about this. And then uh, different uh, people have said, you know, Ron DeSantis shouldn't be going after the culture wars. He's being too tough on the abortion uh, issue. Donald Trump has gone on to say that, you know, that the abortion stance of, of uh, DeSantis now, it's illegal to have an abortion after six weeks in Florida is too, is too tough. So Donald Trump is trying to put it out there that Ron DeSantis is going to lose because of culture wars, which to me is fine because culture wars is what the, is, is what the uh, progressive left has been doing for a hundred years. They have been doing culture wars. And if you're not going to get involved in a culture war, then you're going to lose the battle. I mean, sorry, you're going to, if you're not going to get involved in the culture battles, then you're going to lose the war. So Ron DeSantis being involved in these battles for culture is okay with me. And like I said, I don't care if he doesn't win the nomination because I don't think any Republican is going to be able to beat Joe Biden because of the built-in uh, built-in electioneering that the Democrats have done. But yeah, that's what, that's one of the things they're saying is Ron DeSantis is a, uh, you know, he shouldn't be picking a fight with Disney. No, he should be picking a fight with Disney because Disney is using its power and influence as, as, as uh, Victor Davis Hanson was saying here. You know, we need to start getting back some of this stuff. It says a left is, the left still enjoys enormous advantages over the right. The bicoastal elite has far more money, controls the major American institution, and dominates the dissemination of knowledge through media and Silicon Valley. And that's right. And and we need to start getting back some of this stuff. We need to start getting back. It says, this is back to the article. It says, they, meaning conservatives, shrug and concede that the universities, teachers, government unions, the corporate boardrooms, there you go, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, media, there you go, entertainment. So Disney is the media. Disney is entertainment. Disney is the corporate boardroom. Disney is Wall Street. And professional sports, and Disney has also got involved with professional sports through ESPN, are hopelessly activists and left wing. So in order to win, this is why the left is successful because they dominate all this stuff. There is nowhere that that conservatives dominate except there's in a few formats. One of them is talk radio. One of them is talk radio. And another one of them is in my estimation, the alternative alternative internet media. So I don't think the daily beast or, uh, you know, mother Jones is ever going to be as, as dominant as Breitbart is or, or the gateway pundits. What I like, you know, these type of alternative media areas, those places are where people who have to go out and see the thing about difference between AM radio, talk radio, and these, these websites is you have to go out and search these out and find them. They're not spoon fed to you. With with the regular TV, you can just turn on the TV and it's spoon fed to you, and that's that's how the left or progressive side dominates things because they're they're just given to you and you you eat it up as like a as a as a big you know big meal. You don't have to go out and search it out, but you have to go out and search out things if you're looking for alternatives that is not part of the mainstream left narrative. If you turn on MSNBC, CNN, Washington Post, you read New York Times, whatever, you're going to get all the same type of thing. So you have to go out besides you have to go out beyond that in order to get something different. And that's something that people will never do on the left because they don't have to. There's no reason for someone to go to the Daily Beast when everything on the Daily Beast is also going to be on CNN. Everything on Mother Jones is also going to be on the Washington Post because it's all a member of the left. There's no there's no reason to. So that's like I said, 
that's the only place where conservatives dominate is in talk radio and these like niche niche media alternative media sites. But anyway, that's you know they say well you know I don't know why they why they feel the need to and I think a lot of it has to do with pressure. People have pressure probably they have some type of you know Disney probably has influence over them that they say look let up on Disney let up on Disney and the thing that all the scientists is trying to do with this Disney thing is he is going after their sweetheart deal where they don't have to we're basically in Florida if you're not from Florida Disney owns I forgot how many acres but anyway they run they own so many acres of land in Central Florida around Orlando Kissimmee area and that's where they have their parks and all their properties and things and since the 1960s they have also governed that area, self-government. It was like their own private government. So they they were able to uh, fund all of the different things in that area through themselves. It's like a big, think of it as like a big uh, private homeowners association or something like that. You know, if you want to build your own fence, you build your own fence. But they didn't have to pay into the tax system the way everyone else did. And that saved them a lot of money. It was much more convenient, obviously. You don't have to deal with the regulations of the state like everybody else does. It's it's nicer. You can just do it yourself. You pay for it yourself. You do it yourself. And, and then um, so that has been removed now through legislation in Florida. And it was done around the same time that uh, Disney started getting involved in these culture wars, these culture battles. And it started with um, it started with this, uh, quote unquote, don't say gay bill where you're you're not supposed to talk to first kindergartner through third grade about sex, you know, any sex, no sex at all. There's no reason to talk about sex to a third grader or kindergartner or first grader, second grader. And that's what this, uh, parental notification act, I think it was called, but anyway, the media jumped on it and called it don't say gay. And then, then Disney waited in and say, you know, it's don't say gay bill. And that's what got the uh, previous CEO fired because after that, the Disney stock plummeted and it's continuing to plummet. They, they brought back, uh, what's his name? Um, Oh, I forgot his name. Anyway, they they got rid of Chapek and brought back Iger, Bob Iger. Anyway, it's still plummeting. And they're still having this ongoing fight. And that's what the conservatives are telling telling DeSantis to drop this, drop this fight. You don't need to go after Disney anymore. It's hurting you in the polls. And I think a lot of that is because Disney is wanting these people to say, hey, call your guy off. Call your guy off. Say he won already. We said uncle, all right? Call him off. Because I think they're getting pressure from Disney. And I think that's what's going on. But anyway, like I said, I could care less if... At the end of the day, if Ron DeSantis doesn't win the nomination, I could care less. I would rather him fight those culture battles. This is one thing I was wanting to play last week. It was uh, Smokey Robinson. This is so so cool to listen to. Uh, Someone was talking to Smokey Robinson. Oh, Chris Wallace. About being an African-American and what he thought about it. And here's what Smokey Robinson had to say here. You have said that you resent the idea of being called an African-American, that yes. you are a black American. Yes. Explain. I think that when they call black people who were born and raised for generations in this country, if you accept the handle of African-American, that says that you don't accept being an American-American. You don't accept being born in Chicago or New York or Detroit or wherever you were born. For generations, your family has been here, you know? Built this country, too. Sweat and tears and all that, you know, fought in every war, okay? So this is my country here. So I I don't want to be called African-American. I'm an American-American. My people have died and done everything for this country. That's a, that's an awesome clip. One of the reasons it's awesome is look at Chris Wallace's face here. So I, I don't want to be called African. He looks like, uh, I'm gonna, so he looks like he's constipated. It's <laughs> his liberal brain is melting as, as a uh, Smokey Robinson says this stuff to him. Look at his, look at that face. His liberal brain is melting. But anyway, Smokey Robinson has a great point. Why do you want to call me an African American? I'm an American. I'm, and it's not some, I'm not saying he's not patriotic, but he's not saying this out of a sense of like, I'm American, damn it. He's saying, look, I don't have anything to do with Africa. Africa is where my ancestors came from. No more than, 
you know, I have something to do with the Philippines necessarily. You know, I'm proud of the fact that my mother is Filipino and that I have Filipino heritage, but I'm American. And can you imagine you're a, you're, you're a black man like Smokey Robinson. You've been here for however many generations you've been here. And then someone comes along and says, look, now you've got to be calling yourself African-American. And the reason why is because, uh, you know, that's, that's just the, that's the new thing now. And you're supposed to just fall in line. And Smokey Robinson saying, look, my, my family's been here. My family helped build this country. My family's fought in its wars. And I am an American. I'm not an African-American. I'm an American-American. And uh, this, this type of, this rejection of, of uh, identity politics just, just melts the minds of liberals like, like, uh, like Chris Wallace here. And his just face is just priceless because it's the face of a liberal whose brain is malfunctioning because someone is talking to him about truths that just, just go above and beyond his understanding. Because he's looking at this guy, Smokey Robinson, and thinking, all right, Smokey Robinson, here it is. I'm teeing it up for you. You're supposed to apologize now. You're supposed to apologize for not, you know, you, you were misquoted or whatever. You're supposed to say you're a proud African-American and uh, you're down with the struggle and uh, you, you love the African label. And here, and here we go. Take it away. And then Smokey Robinson just throws it right back in his face and says all these things, which, you know, Chris Wallace, he said he's thinking, well, no, you're. You're you're objectified. You're an African American. You're a, a uh, you're you're a victim. You are oppressed. You're supposed to say that you dislike America. Uh, America's been bad. America's been bad from the start. Uh, the founding fathers were racist, and there's no way you can be a part of this institution and, and call yourself an American because of the racism. And, and to this day, that racism has held you back. And Smokey Robinson is just saying, you know what? Uh, none of that, none of that makes sense to me. And I'm not an African American. I'm an American American. And that face is just beautiful because Chris Wallace just doesn't know what to think about that. That's a, that's a really heartening thing to see. And that's something that we should see more of in the, um, in our society, I think is this idea that, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. What we have done here in America is better than anything that's been done in the previous governments we have established if we were to follow it a sovereignty of the individual a sovereignty of the uh of the uh, governed you know we we are not a um, country that has a we are a country that has a government previously uh republics even like the roman republic were were, were governments that had a country we are a country that has a government i think it was uh Ronald Reagan said that, you know, he said that uh, Democrats look at California as a as a state, as I'm sorry, as a government that has a state. But he sees California as a state that has a government. And there's a difference there because one of them assumes the primacy of the other. And the primacy of the government is not what the what the founding fathers had in mind. The, the founding fathers had in mind the, the primacy of the Amer- of the individual of Americans. And that's what we've lost here. And that's what we've lost with this debt ceiling is this idea that the, the, the sovereign is the Americans, Americans are the sovereign. We have been held hostage now by these fools for generations. That's not just Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy. This has gone back many, many, many generations. This addiction to spending, this addiction to your tax dollars, this addiction to your tax dollars that don't even exist. These addiction to fictional tax dollars, tax dollars to be paid in the future by future generations. We have more money uh, in debt now than has ever existed and will probably ever exist in the, in the world, but it is supposed to be paid back at some point. And in the, in, in the, in the meantime, before it's paid back, it's going to be, the interest is going to be so high that future generations are going to have to pay more and more and more. But what's going to always happen is there's going to be people like Bill Gates who don't pay taxes when I say they don't pay taxes is they don't pay taxes like you and I pay taxes. You and I pay income taxes. Bill Gates doesn't have an income. Bill Gates has made his money. The really wealthy people don't pay income taxes because they don't have incomes. They may have capital gains they pay on or things like that, but there's, they always have access to the, the, the smartest, 
accountants, the smartest lawyers. They have ways to hide their money. But you and I, in the meantime, are going to carry the freight for it. And the way we're going to carry the freight is through our income taxes. And the other way we're going to carry the freight is through our payroll taxes. We talked about this last week, payroll taxes, Social Security, Medicare. And you and I are going to have to pay increasingly higher amounts of Social Security, Medicare, because very soon in the future, what's going to happen is the interest payments on the debt is going to be, are going to be so high that it is, there's not going to be enough money in the till to pay for Social Security and Medicare. So guess what's going to happen? They're going to raise payroll taxes and they're going to raise payroll taxes on those who are earning too much money. And those people who are earning too much money is going to be your regular teachers, your police officers, your sure, surely your professionals, you know, uh, doctors, lawyers, engineers, things of that nature. But it's going to be everybody. It's going to be everybody who contributes to payroll taxes. And that's how you're going to have to pay for it. And that's how your family members are going to have to pay for it. Your children, they're going to pay higher and higher payroll taxes. And it's going to be told, and it's going to be the same scenario, Mitch McConnell of the future, Kevin McCarthy of the future, or they're going to have a late night, they're going to have a, uh, a late night compromise. And they're going to say, look, we saved Social Security. And this is how we saved it. We raised the payroll taxes and we uh, raised the retirement age. And now for the next five years, we're going to have solvency in the Social Security Trust Fund that doesn't exist. And we're going to be able to pay uh, the, the uh, def- we're not going to default on our payments to the uh, seniors. And, and everybody's going to join hands and sing Kumbaya. But in the meantime, like I said, people like Bill Gates, they don't care because they don't pay payroll taxes. That's what you'll always see when these rich people wealthy people, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, they always say, I wish I could pay more. I want to pay more. There was one time when there was a, a, a true uh, response by Bill Gates. And it was, I think it was Elizabeth Warren who give her credit. I think Elizabeth Warren along the lines of Bernie Sanders is a true believer in leftists. At least she may, she may do some of the things that she says, like have a wealth tax. People like Joe Biden are just there to get the paycheck. They are there to say whatever it takes to get the paycheck, whether it's from Ukraine or Russia or from the taxpayers or from Wall Street or whatever. Joe Biden is a blank check. He's a blank slate. You write whatever it is on this this slate, he'll sign it, whatever gets in the paycheck. But I think some of these true leftists, and maybe they're full of it, maybe not. You know, Bernie Sanders has multimillion dollar. uh, He's a socialist, multimillion dollar socialist, only one in history. Well, not the only one in history, but. Every socialist that's ever existed who's in the hierarchy, like Stalin and his cronies and all those people in Mao and, you know, all the I think I said China has more billionaires than America. Anyway, they're all socialists. But that always happens. The elite socialists are always wealthy. But anyway, a true socialist technically would not be wealthy because it's and it's antithetical to the idea of socialism where everyone shares. Anyway, back to the point is Elizabeth Warren at one point was saying there should be a wealth tax. And I remember it was like a 1% wealth tax or something like that. So what they'd say is, look, we're not going to tax income or we're, maybe we're going to tax income, but the way we're going to get the money is we're going to go after wealth taxes. We're going to get your wealth. We're going to say whatever your wealth is, whatever your net wealth is, your net worth, we're going to tax that 1%. And they asked, and, and Bill Gates is always talking about, he wants to pay more in taxes. He wishes he could pay more in taxes, blah, 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 blah. Wealthy like him should pay more. And they asked him, do you want to pay, you know, what do you think about the 1% wealth? He gets wealth tax. He's like, well, I don't think it's a good idea. And it was a very, it's very funny. I I should find the clip for next week, but it's very funny because the look on his face was like, for suddenly he dropped his demeanor as this jolly old uh, wealthy guy that just wants to pay more taxes. And he got very serious. And he said, I don't think it's a good idea because like I said, they get the money from taxpayers. You guys out there working right now, you're the ones paying the bills. Whenever they're saying that we're going to pass this debt ceiling, this debt ceiling is going to be $6 trillion over the next two years. When that $6 trillion comes up in two years and they're going to expand the debt ceiling more and that more money is going to be added to the debt ceiling, guess who's going to pay it? It's not Bill Gates. It's not Warren Buffett. It's going to come out of your money every week that you work, every week that you pay payroll taxes, every week that you pay income taxes. It's going to come out of your hind. It's going to come out of your hide. It's going to come out of your children's hide in the future. And that's what we've lost is the the sovereignty of the individual because our minds collectively have been turned to mush because of this, like we talked about here, like Victor Davis Hanson said, 
It says the conservatives shrug and concede that universities, teachers, government unions, the corporate boardrooms, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, media, entertainment, professional sports are hopelessly activists and left wing, which is true. You could say all of those different places and none of them cares a whit about you paying more in payroll taxes. None of them cares a whit about you paying more in income taxes because universities are wealthy. Teachers are. Teachers and government unions are wealthy. Not that they're, they're, he's saying here teachers and government unions, not teachers themselves. Teachers and government unions are wealthy. Corporate boardrooms are wealthy. They don't pay taxes like this, payroll taxes. The people that work for them do. Wall Street, Silicon Valley, media. These are all giant corporations. These are all giant professional sports. They don't care that you're going to have to pay more. That's what, that, that's what, that's what happens when you allow your voice collectively to be taken over. And that's why it matters that Ron DeSantis is fighting these culture battles. You know, it doesn't matter that he's going to lose potentially the presidential nomination over it. I don't care. Mike Gallagher was the one that was saying it yesterday. You know, he said he's been tiptoeing around. He didn't really want to say it, but now he's going to say it. And he's saying that DeSantis is going to lose because he's fighting these culture battles against Disney. I don't care. I don't care. Someone needs to fight these battles because you have lost your voice. You have lost your voice to universities, teachers unions, government unions, corporate boardrooms, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, media, entertainment, professional sports, because they're hopelessly activists and left wing. And they're going against your interests. Because in the grand scheme of things, leftism equals government. Leftism equals Big government and big government always equals small individual. I think it was Ronald or Gerald Ford who said it. A government big enough to give you everything can take, or a government that's big enough to give you everything can take everything, or something to that, something to that effect. That's what it is. The left is always big government, and the big government is always going to make you smaller. The bigger the government, the smaller the individual. That's a rule, and this is what's going on now. And if we don't fight these culture wars. If we just, if we just say, look, okay, fine. Everything's taken over by the left. I'm just going to go about my business. I'm just going to go to work. And then hopefully in the end of it, it'll work out. That's not going to work. If you want to succeed, if you want to have a functional Republic, again, we have to fight. You have to, you have to fight. You have to become involved in whatever way, whether it's just through education, voting, whatever the case is. You have to enlighten yourself because if you don't, the the vacuum is there and these people are going to move in and they already have been moving in. Uh, What else we got here? Let's see. There's this article here that uh, is on talking about the carbs. It says, this is from the Federalist. This is for all of you after your lunchtime uh, meals. It's a study. Refined carbs may be making you dumb. A new study out of France this month linked to consumption of refined carbs with lower cognitive function. Isn't that interesting though? Who out there doesn't feel like after you've eaten carbs that you feel like you're sluggish? It's interesting. It says here, a French team of scientists found negative impacts on cognitive, uh, on cognition across both genders. The consumption of foods with high glycemic index, mainly refined carbohydrates such as white bread and many ultra-processed foods, is, quote, associated to a decrease in cognitive performance. Individuals' cognitive performances were measured by the Weschler's digit symbol substitution test. It says the French research is far from the only uh, study to find a significant relationship between diet and brain health. Last year, another study from Brazil surveying nearly 11,000 adults found a correlation between ultra-processed diet and lower cognitive function. And they also talk about here, uh, researchers examined the pattern of gray matter atrophy among obese people and people with Alzheimer's and found a link between obesity and Alzheimer's disease. And obesity is mainly caused by carbs. You cannot get fat by eating fat. Hence why keto works. Fat does not cause you to be fat. Carbs cause you to be fat. Carbs are converted into triglycerides. Triglyceride is fat. Fat is stored in your abdomen and elsewhere in your body. When you eat fat, your body, in order to make that into fat, can't just transfer it. 
your body would have to break it down, down all to its basic component and then make it back into fat. So that's a very arduous task. In order to make fat from carbohydrates, all you have to do is basically turn it into fat. Carbohydrates are very quickly turned into fat. You cannot eat enough fat to make you fat. That is a, uh, a, a I guess you call it a myth or a hoax that is perpetuated. Fat does not make you fat. In fact, uh, fat can lower your cholesterol in most people. I don't know about everybody. Uh, we've had a few people where it hasn't worked. But in general, eating a keto-type diet will lower your cholesterol. That's it for this week. Thank you for joining us. Join, uh, I'm sorry, uh, subscribe and share it with your friends. We appreciate it. Go to drtommy.com slash podcast and you can get more of the podcasting options and also see our older podcasts. And uh, until next time, have a good weekend. Bye-bye. 